This episode is brought to you by our friends at Information Systems Integration. Information Systems Integration is a premier managed service provider for all your information technology needs. They provide IT solutions that are customized for you, including content marketing, information security, and many other products and services coupled with 24-7 concierge-level support. So upgrade your IT provider today with the proven integrity and expertise of information systems integration. Discover more by visiting isicg.com faith. This is a Jesus Hacks mini-sode, meaning it's a more relaxed episode featuring conversations I have with people rather than the normal narrative interview. In this mini-sode, I'm wondering if living like Jesus means I should become a minimalist or not. Jesus led a very simplistic lifestyle. So how does that simplicity look like in today's cluttered world? So for this episode, I ask Joshua Becker, the creator of Becoming Minimalist, what his thoughts are on this subject. With that being said, you're listening to the Jesus Hacks Podcast. Let's get started. I wish I've had like two streams of discontent that kind of flowed through my life. I was always a little discontented with the use of my money. Um, several pay increases during my married life, but never able to get ahead financially. Never fell way behind in debt, but was just never able to to um, to save a lot of money or um, feel like I was getting ahead. But probably more than that, I was um, growing discontented with where my money was going, um, knowing full well what what God was calling me to do and and what the Bible was calling me to do and uh, how I was actually living that out was um, at odds with one another. So never, never very discontent, uh, always a little discontented. But anyway, uh, the story goes, it's Saturday morning and I I wake up to clean my garage. Uh, I have a five-year-old son and I ask him to help me. Uh, It's been this long winter. I lived in Vermont and uh, we pulled everything out of the garage or we began pulling everything out of the garage until my son found some of his toys, his summer toys, and he went in the backyard to play. I'm working on the garage and it's like hours later. I'm still working on this project as some of these things tend to do sometimes. And um, my son's, of course, running back and forth every half hour asking me to play with him and I can't. I keep telling him I got to work on the garage. I got to finish my project. I uh, run into my neighbor who was outside, and uh, she was working on her home all morning long, and just, oh, is the joys of home ownership, that's what, that's what she said to me. I said, yeah, well, you know what they say, the more, the more stuff you own, the more your stuff owns you, and she responds with this, with this life-changing thought. She, she said, yeah, that's why my daughter's a minimalist. She keeps telling me I don't need to own all this stuff, and uh, I just remember looking at the the pile of things from my garage that were piled up in my driveway. It's been all morning cleaning and out of the corner of my eye, seeing my son who'd been alone in the backyard all morning. And this realization that obviously our possessions don't make us happy. Like we all know our possessions don't make us happy, but, but even worse than that, um, everything I owned wasn't just not making me happy. It was taking me away from the very things that did bring me 
happiness and purpose and fulfillment in life. I mean, in this situation, my, my son, you know, I spent all morning caring for the things I, mm. I didn't care about at the neglect of the one thing that I cared the most about. And so that began our journey of saying, okay, it's, it's, it's not just that I'm not looking for happiness in my things. It's that I think the things that I own have actually taken me away from the more important things in life. So that kind of kicked off our journey to minimalism. After talking for a while, I asked Joshua how minimalism leads to us living like Jesus, or in other words, how does it grow our character? He responds with the following story. There's, a, there's an interesting, interesting story in the Bible that, that really started to make more sense to me when yeah. I started going down this journey. Um, uh, Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus, right? That's mm-hmm. his job. And, uh, and he's calling the, the people of Israel to repent and get ready. The kingdom of God is at near, the kingdom of God is at hand, and the Messiah is coming and makes all these promises. And in Luke chapter three, the people come to him and they say, okay, what do we have to do to get ready for Jesus? And, um, he, he gives three instructions. Um, the, the regular people, he says, uh, if you have two tunics, give to him who has none. And if you have food, do the same. Uh, he says to the tax collectors, he says, don't collect any more money than you need. And he tells his soldiers, he said, don't extort money, be content with your pay, and don't accuse people falsely. And this is the, the end of his instruction. Um, and I, I find it very interesting that, <laughs> like, this is his moment. Like, this yeah. is his job is to repair people for Jesus, and he's is, is coming and everyone says, okay, what do we have to do to get ready for Jesus? And everything he said had to do with their physical possessions. Get rid of your extra coats. Get rid of your extra food. Be content with your pay. Don't take in more money than you need. Like every single one. It wasn't pray more. It wasn't go study the Old Testament prophecies. It wasn't exactly. go to church more often. It was get rid of the stuff that you don't need, which made no sense to me, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a story that we often kind of pass over. Until I started getting rid of the stuff that I didn't need. Like once I started actually living out what or trying to live out what John the Baptist prescribed is what they needed to do to prepare uh, their hearts for Jesus, I started to discover what he meant. And one of the things I started to discover was that it is hard to get rid of (laughs) your material (laughs) possessions, right? Exactly. it's It's hard to do that. And we... We had maybe like three van loads of stuff that we took to Goodwill just to donate. And I'm like, why? Like, what compelled me to buy three van loads of things that I didn't need? I mean, what compelled me in the first place to buy a bunch of stuff that I don't need to have in my life? And I started to just count some of the lies that I had believed, right? That, okay, maybe I was a little more susceptible to advertising than I thought. Maybe I was a little more greedy than I thought. Maybe I was trying to impress people with the things that I owned. Maybe I was more jealous and envious of people who had more. Uh, Maybe I really was looking for happiness in the things that I bought. Maybe I was looking for confidence in the clothes that I wore rather than in who I was. And as those, it was a very difficult process, you know, why is this so hard to part with? And I think we start to discover some very hidden beliefs and some hidden motivations in our hearts that we never would have realized until we actually went through the process of getting rid of things. And so I think, I think John's instruction to the people is, hey, 
the only way you can really search the depths of your heart is if you begin stripping away the things that you don't need, because then you start realizing some of these things. Also, you start to realize that you already have enough of the world in your life. You don't need more of the world. You don't need more money. You don't need more stuff. You have enough of that. What you need is more of Jesus in your life. And it's a, it's a, it's a difficult process. And a lot of people kind of shy away from it and they'll just stop when it gets hard to get rid of stuff. But I say, no, no, you're like, you're right on the cusp of finding the real value of minimalism as you, as you push further. And why is this hard for me to part with? Uh, That's where I think the the, some very interesting growth in character at least has the potential to begin emerging in our lives as we explore and develop that. Wow. So I'm glad you mentioned that story. I love that story. I feel like um, yeah. a few months ago, I wrote this whole like article on that story about how we should be content with just having enough. You know, And that's a message that's so contradictory today because today – Society tells us to, no, accumulate more, take in this experience, take in that, take in that accolade, just take it all in, and maybe you could use it later. Mm-hmm. But um, Jesus tells us, and John the Baptist in his message was telling us, hey, be content to have enough because Jesus fills the rest, you know? <laughs> it was like, you don't yeah. need all that, um, and your character will definitely prosper once you realize that. So yeah. I, I love that idea. Fantastic. It's like um it's like the, the thinking is what's the harm? Like right? Like, yeah. like what's the harm of making more money? Or what's the harm of, of buying a bigger house? And I mean just the money one, like Jesus had very strong warnings for those people who had money, right? Like woe mm-hmm. to you who are rich. And it's easier for a camel to pass through Ivan Neal than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Paul says in Timothy, he says, those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a trap that lead men into destruction and despair. And yet, well, what's the harm? Like, what's the harm <laughs> of having more money? Well, there's exactly a, like, there's a, a lot, like there's a lot of pride and isolation that, that comes with wealth. And um, uh, we, we don't, we tend to overlook, I think those, those warnings. Yeah. Um, we don't, too often. we don't really see those side of things right now. I'm reading a book called The Road to Character by David Brooks. And in the introduction, he's talking about how society today, we play up the matters of external success, you know, our resume virtues, the skills that help us prosper in the marketplace. But we don't play up the eulogy virtues, you know, the things that get talked about at our death. And Mm -hmm. I see that at work every day. You know, so when we ask, what's the harm? We're neglecting the eulogy virtues, you know, the things that get talked about, our character, but we're kind of favoring our resume virtues, which are all about, hey, take it all in. You could use it for your glory later on down the road. Who knows? So Mm -hmm. I love that we made that clarification. Minimalism to Joshua is not this painful act of, ugh, I have to give away my things. No, to Joshua, it's more about the benefits. He talks a little about those benefits with me. I, I had a point, and I don't want to forget it, because I was going to go back to my... <laughs> I, was, <laughs> yeah. um, I was doing an interview, I think it was with a, someone writing a college paper one time, and, uh, and they said, hey, is, is minimalism really sustainable? I mean, hmm. is it really possible that everyone could not own a rake, you know, or not, right? Because I was talking about borrowing a rake from my, from my neighbor, 
And, um, and I, I said, well, what would happen is communities would be would become much more reliant upon one another. Like they would become much more connected. Like no one on the street is. It wouldn't that be that everyone on the street would get rid of their shovel, but so and so would own the shovel, and so and so would own the lawnmower, and so and so would own the rake, right? And and so yeah. we'd just be connected. We'd be sharing sharing resources, enjoying this you know the the sharing economy uh, a little bit more than than we do now, where we all have our own rakes and lawnmowers and cars. Um, everything else. Um, the other part uh, about stronger communities um, was going to be this um, something. So right. So Jesus says it that your 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 heart is where your where your treasure is. Wherever mm-hmm. your treasure is, there your heart is also. And I think one of the things that again again all of this is minimalism allows this to happen. Minimalism can be used to, to this end. I, I think as someone embraces minimalism, realizes they need less money to live, has more money to give, has more money to become generous and helping the needs of the people around them, then I think that they are much more connected to those people that they're helping. Just as you know, empathy grows and, and relationships grows. As we become more generous people, as we stop focusing on growing our own kingdom, but in how can we legitimately contribute to the people around us, uh, that can't help but force us to look outward and can't help but force stronger communities and relationships and connections to grow because of it. I don't know if many of you know Joshua Becker, but he's devoted his life to promoting this cause of minimalism. His blog, Becoming Minimalist, is known around the world for spreading this message of minimalism. So finally I asked Joshua why he's made minimalism the cause he's willing to fight for. Why does he believe it's important? I, I pastored for, for years and years and, um, and, and, and found this minimalism and, and found the benefit of it and, 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 and made all the connections between what I what I had read in scripture for years, but what I thought about that compared to what actually happens when you begin living it out. And, um, genuinely there's a, a piece of me that, that thinks that, um, that, that this is, that this is love, that this is loving, that, that I would work hard and that I would make the best case for owning less that I possibly can, because Mm. I think it benefits people and it benefits their lives and it, uh, it, it alleviates stress and it, just opens up their lives to more and greater and better things. And so there's a part of me that, that is motivated by, by love and what I do. Um, there's another part that's, that's just motivated by, um, a, a love for the, the kingdom of God, you know, a, a, a love that, um, I think the the church is, is missing this conversation. I, I think the, the church is just like the, the rest of culture in, constantly pursuing more and and needing more and desiring more not the the church building but just the the people in the church are yeah. just living the same lives that that uh, that society is around them and um so i think there's a uh, i feel a call i guess to to really take this message to the church as much as possible and and help them see what what their lives can become once they overcome the desire for more and begin living less so we can become more fruitful um, and that uh, we can become more effective and, and closer to Christ in the process. Simplicity in our affairs, in our possessions, and in our lives leads to more fruitfulness. It leads to actions where we're not seeking to build our own kingdom, 
but rather where we're building the kingdom of God. Possessions and the unnecessary excess of daily life all clutter our life and make it hard to live like Jesus. But Joshua has seen the benefits of living with less and the impact it can have on our walk with God. So with that being said, look for ways to simplify your life. Live like Jesus without all the unnecessary excess of today and see what better impact you can make. Thanks for listening to this Jesus Hacks mini-sode. For companion materials and show notes to this episode, check out JesusHacks.com.